should I say should I say where <laughs> should I say this is in your head or what? Oh, Hello, Donna. <laughs> what, what's a good, what's a good, good title for a spooky show? Without your head. Without your head, alright. Without your head. There all right. Yeah. Alright, give me the countdown. Bonfires burning bright. Bumpy faces in the night. I remember Halloween. Dead cats hanging from poles. Little dead around in droves. Rounded vertigo Where skeletal life is known I remember Halloween This day anything goes Burning bodies hanging from poles I remember Halloween Without your head, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. How much? How you doing? Doing good. I was uh, I was just saying I'm a little sick. I've been on so many planes in the past like three weeks. I was in London and then came back to LA and then went to Texas and then back to LA and then to New Jersey and back to LA and now I'm on my way to Spain and somewhere on one of these planes somebody got me sick. So I'm trying to uh, trying to hang in there, but it's uh, I feel kind of feel like I'm campaigning with this movie. It's like when you see presidents doing this shit with uh, when they're you know trying to get elected. It's just a different city every day, and they start looking more and more like death. That's that's kind of me. <laughs> well, that could be uh that could be an idea for your next movie. Yeah, right. So it sounds more glamorous than it is then. Yeah, it it definitely uh I mean it definitely has its glamorous moments like once you actually get to start meeting fans and stuff like that it it's totally worth it. But the hours sitting in the airport and flying economy just like everybody else <laughs> it really sucks. Yeah, that's so fun. My flight to Spain is I think 14 and a half hours with a layover in London, so that's going to be uh as much fun as a bag of dicks. <laughs> well, some people might find that uh pretty fun. Sure, sure. Let everybody know, first of all, uh, the movie's Hatchet. Yep. You can find out more information on hatchetmovie.com. 
For anybody who doesn't know, you want to just give a, like a brief summary of what the movie's about? Uh, sure. Hatchet is a old-school slasher movie. Um, basically, my sort of philosophy in making this movie was that I loved the 80s stuff that I grew up on. I loved that there were monsters. I loved that there was gore. I loved that there was nudity and that the horror movies were rated R. Um, unfortunately, the scripts usually were a little lacking, which even the biggest fans can admit a lot of the sequels and stuff kind of got a little stupid. Um, and then in the 90s, it came back really hard with Scream, which was great because the script was so good. But we didn't have monsters anymore. We didn't have gore. We didn't have nudity. And pretty soon all the horror movies were PG-13. And so what I kind of tried to do with this was take what I liked about both and put them together and sort of bring back that unstoppable monster and uh, gore that's all done in camera with latex, no CGI, and kind of bring back the magic show. So that's really what Hatchet is. The storyline is um, in New Orleans, for anybody who's ever been there before, they probably know about this. They do these swamp tours, and there's a few places that do haunted swamp tours at night. And it's pretty much a total ripoff because they just take you through the swamp at night, and there's marsh gas and stuff, and they tell you all these, like, spooky, silly ghost stories about the marsh gas, and they say that it's ghosts and all this stuff. And so the uh, in the movie, it's a group of people on one of those tours, and um, the boat ends up sinking, and things just go horribly wrong for them. And it's uh, it's probably one of the most violent things that's been out there in a in a while. So very excited about that. Cool. I think uh, I had a question about uh, CGI. Oh yeah, I was just wondering, uh, what's your opinions on CGI in movies nowadays? Um. I'm not completely anti-CGI. I mean, one of my favorite films is Jurassic Park. I love Lord of the Rings. I think if it's done with the appropriate budget and by the right people, that it works. I mean, no matter what, it never really looks real. But if it's at least not offensive and you can let yourself go and try to believe that it's real, like all the landscapes and stuff in Lord of the Rings, I never had any problem with that at all. Um, but when it's tried, when people try to use it, um, in order to sort of skimp and make it easier, or when they use it on a budget. For instance, um, Freddy vs. Jason, which actually had a pretty big budget, why did they need CG blood sprays and stuff like that? Like, that was ridiculous. It just starts to look more and more cartoony. So um, with this, we didn't use any CGI with the makeup effects or any of the deaths, and some of them are so elaborate, there are people that are trying to say that we did. Um, one of the... Uh, screenings that we had in New York at Tribeca, there was a guy in the audience that was challenging me and saying, you know, when you rip that woman's face in half, it had to have been CG. There's no way you could have done it, which was a huge compliment um, to myself, my director of photography, and, of course, John Beekler, who designed the effects. Um, it's it's pretty cool. It's a lot like the old Savini stuff mm-hmm. back in the day when um when it was a magic show and you would walk out wondering, you know, how did they do that? I'm a big. Uh, I think we're all big uh, Tom Savini fans here. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, how important do you think gore is to like a horror movie? Um, it depends. I mean, like a haunted house story, which is uh, which is really the only stuff that actually scares me. If it's something with ghosts, or for instance, The Exorcist, there's no gore in that film at all, really, mm-hmm. and that really scares me. But something like A Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween, like the original Halloween, there's really no gore. Um, so you don't always have to have it, but if you're going to make a slasher movie, which is what Hatchet is, 
that's kind of what you're paying to see. Like you want to see some people get fucked up. I mean, that's why you went to see the movie in the first place. So it's, uh, I think for a slasher movie, you have to have it. Um, some of these PG-13 movies that are coming out now are just silly. And, and I try to be lenient with those films because clearly there is an audience for it. For instance, just because I don't enjoy the Teletubbies doesn't mean that the audience at its four doesn't enjoy it. So PG-13 horror movies are for, you know, that age group. So I definitely get it. But my problem is that Hollywood knows that we as an audience, as horror fans, are going to go see basically every horror movie that comes out in the theater just because we're glad to have a horror movie in the theater. And they kind of capitalize on that, and they, they shoot for the PG-13 rating just so that more people can go see it and they can make more money. Um, I mean, how many times have you guys gone to see a movie that you totally know was going to suck, and it did suck, and when you walked out, you said it sucked, and you probably still bought the DVD? Like, it's just... <laughs> It's just what we do. My DVD collection is so awful, some of the movies I have. But but I'm a horror fan, and that's kind of what I live with. So I hope that the majority of people who are like me, who go to see Hatchet, at least feel like they got what they paid for, and it's a movie that I made for them. Um, I I really, it's the most selfish thing I'll probably ever make, because I just made the movie that I wanted to see. I didn't care about reinventing the wheel. I didn't care about social commentary or anything like that. I just made the most balls-to-the-wall, fun, gory slasher movie that I could. And thankfully, people are embracing it, and it's been doing so well at all these film festivals all over the world. And I never really, I didn't, you hope that it's going to go this far, but you never really believe that it will. And the fact that we're going to get a theatrical release is just crazy. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Uh, even the name of the movie is uh, pretty basic catch it. That's something yeah. you really just had in mind, just uh, kind of straightforward, something you really want to see? Um, yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I used to joke about it when I was talking. People would ask me why I love horror movies, and I would say, you know, some of them are so basic. It's just, you know, people running from a guy with a, a glove with knives or, you know, this or that. And I used to say, you know, someday I'm going to make a movie called Hatchet just so that someday they make, like, a Hatchet 4. Because it... Once they get, once you get past three, it's just retarded. I mean, like, when you, when you get into, like, Friday the 13th, 8 and stuff like right. that, like, how do you expect people to take it seriously anymore? He's taking um, Manhattan. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying this at the Fangoria convention that no matter how many sequels to Hatchet that there are, I promise I will never send Victor Crowley to Manhattan <laughs> or to space. Or to outer space. I think that's a death of a movie when they, uh, time travel or go to outer space. Yeah, I, at some point, somebody on that set must have stopped and been like, okay, wait a minute, time out. Like, are you guys serious? Like, he's in space. Um, but of course, that movie had the, uh, the, uh, frozen face smash on the counter, mm -hmm. which, which made it okay that he was in space, in my opinion. Like, once that happened, I was like, alright, cool. Although they did kill the hottest chick first. And, um, I thought that was kind of a waste. They should have, uh, they should have frozen somebody else's face first. Right. For sure. <laughs> Is that something uh, you really wanted to uh, do in this movie? Has some creative uh, death scenes? Yeah, I think um, that part of the fun of these movies is seeing, like, what are they going to do next? And so I tried to do deaths that nobody's seen before. It, it's just, it's kind of scary, actually, but the idea of just stabbing somebody with a knife, like, I don't care. But if you're going to put a belt sander in a chick's mouth and take out her teeth, like, that's really cool. 
So <laughs> we tried to just make it just so over the top, which is part of the fun of the movie. Like if somebody gets a limb ripped off, the blood shoots like 40 feet in the air and it's like all over the place. And it's, it's a little bit back to like the evil dead days of, of gore, which is why I'm hoping apparently there's a lot of talk that we're going to have a hard time keeping the movie intact when it goes to the theaters. And um, I'm hoping that people see that because the movie is so fun that that they'll let the gore slide. There's there's nothing that's like there's nobody getting raped. There's nothing like really heavy like that. I mean it's it's just so it's so in your face that hopefully the MPAA will have a sense of humor about it. Although I know a sense of humor isn't really what they're known for <laughs> with horror movies. But um, did you guys maybe you guys know this story? But John Beekler was telling me this when we were in pre-production. Um, Friday the 13th, 7, when he did that, there was a scene where Jason punches into somebody's chest and rips out their heart. And the MPAA wouldn't let that go without giving it a rated X. Yet the same summer, Steven Spielberg did it in Temple of Doom right. and got a PG. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it, it all kind of depends on the size of the movie, who's behind it, and me, this really being the first thing that I'm actually going to be sort of known for, the MPAA could care less what I think. So we've been waiting to show them until we actually had a distributor, which I was hoping that by the time we did this call, I'd be able to say who it's going to be. But apparently I'm not allowed to say anything yet. So mm. um, it, it's it's the most distasteful part of making movies. Everybody thinks that it's just um, the actual shooting of it. But all the politics that go into it afterwards, like this was my first time really going through it. But it's just it's enough to make you like not want to do it anymore. It takes all the fun out of it. Um, and luckily we're with a place that I actually wanted to be with, so I'm really excited about that. But the process of getting from finishing the movie to having distribution was so weird. Like the, the distributors who come to the first screening that you do, our first one was at Tribeca, that was the first time we showed anybody. And they purposely like sit there with their arms crossed trying to act like they don't like it so that the other distributors will think that they don't like it, but then they're outside making offers on it and calling on their phone <laughs> from the theater and they're like, it's just like poker it's, face. Hollywood is just a massive extension of high school. And it's, um, it's like all like the worst people of high school run Hollywood. Like, so for those of you that aren't in it, like you're not missing anything. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good people though. Um, when I first moved here, I'm from Boston, and I had a really tight group of friends that I grew up with that I'm still very tight with, and I got out here, and I just hated it for my first two years because everybody out here works in movies or wants to work in movies. Everybody's a producer, a writer, a director, and it's really hard to make genuine friends, but once I did, you can kind of start to see through it. And even on the studio side, the executives, the suits, there's a lot of really good people out here who really do still love movies. Um, which is kind of the problem is it's Hollywood's a business. It's not really an art form. The movies are an art form, but the system is a business. So you have like two complete opposites trying to work together, and it's it's definitely hard. Is there any um, other uh, directors, you know, former indie directors who's uh, tried to give you some advice? Um, as far as indie directors go, mm -hmm. um, one really. Well, let's see. I mean the. I mean, John Beekler was really my mentor on this film because he had been there and done it, and he was just great. But um, when it came time for, like, the sales process and all that stuff, 
um, I spoke a lot with Eli Ross about it and just kind of running things by him, like, is this normal? Should this be this way? What should I do about this? And he was extremely helpful because he had just gone through it, you know, a few years before with cabin fever. Mm-hmm. So um, there, everybody really, for the most part, is extremely helpful. It's funny because I kind of come from the comedy world, and in comedy, everybody's very competitive. And even like when you're writing on a TV show and you're all sitting around the table coming up with jokes, some of the writers will purposely try not to laugh at your jokes so that they can get their own jokes in the script and not yours. But with horror people, everybody is so supportive of each other and they're so happy that somebody else is making a horror movie basically because they want to see it. Um, This is a genre where if you're making an independent horror movie, you're doing it because you love it. Because chances are you're not going to get rich off of it. It's probably going to go straight to video. Um, so if you're doing this, it's because you really have a passion for it. Other aspects of filmmaking, I think there could be other incentives for why you're doing it. Um, but if you're making, if you're like standing there in 30 degree rain in the middle of the night throwing blood on some girl, like you clearly love what you're doing. Right. You got a question, Intro? Uh, you have some uh, horror living legends in your film. Tony Todd, Robert England, Kane Hodder. What was it like having them all in your film? It was um, it was like a big wet dream come true because <laughs> I'm such a fanboy. Like I'm calling you guys from my office right now, where I have action figures for every one of those guys. I have like stuffed dolls. I have every poster. Every like, I mean, I'm just like the biggest dork you've ever met. And so when I actually got to work with those guys, it was crazy. Um, one of the best moments was standing on set and Robert England was on one side of me and Kane was on the other all dressed up as Victor Crowley which is the character that I thought of when I was just eight years old and I'm looking at both of these guys who are just like talking to each other about how cool the makeup is and I'm just thinking who am I like if someone could have told me this when I was 13 I would have said that they were high and I kind of thought I was just standing there with those guys and um, they're so great because they don't phone anything in. Like, all three of those guys, like, they bring everything to every word they say. Everything they do needs to be, like, understood. Um, they don't just capitalize on the fact that they're horror icons and they are often offered parts in different movies and stuff like that. Um, one of the uh, the best stories of how we got them, um, with Robert England, we kind of contacted his agent and the agent sort of told the casting director, like, you guys don't really have enough money. If it's a, a part in a horror movie, you know, Robert's worth a ton of money because of, like, the foreign dollars and this and this and that. So, like, we weren't even going to be able to get the script to him. And that night, I went to the the first season of Masters of Horror. It was the kickoff party. And I'm standing there, and I see Robert England walk in, and my friends were like, why don't you go say something to him? And I saw all these other guys coming up to him, handing him business cards and things. And I was like, you know, I don't want to be that guy. Like, I can't stand. Everybody knows you have to network in Hollywood, but there's there's a cool way to do it, and there's the just loser way to do it. And it <laughs> felt like everybody there was doing the loser way. And I mean, to, I'll, you know, to go off subject for a second here when I'm talking about that, I know a lot of people who probably tune into your show want to do this. And... There's definitely something to be said about the guy who just, you know, runs up to people and hands them their script and tries to talk themselves up. But that's not really doing anything for you because afterwards people are making fun of you. And so what you really need to do is build your own network of people that are personally vested in you. 
like the way I did it was when I got out here, I was an assistant to producers. I was an assistant to um, TV showrunners, like all kinds of people like that, getting coffee, doing menial things. But I made friends with other assistants who wound up becoming agents and development execs and stuff like that. And so I kind of have like a circle of people that are my network and they're my genuine friends. So that's, that's real networking as far as I'm concerned. But like, going to a party and handing out business cards, it's not going to do anything for anybody. It's just going to sort of look like you're whoring yourself out there. So anyway, so I didn't want to do that to Robert England. I didn't say anything to him. A few minutes later, he comes over and taps me on the shoulder, and I turn around, and I'm like freaking out because Freddie's talking to me. <laughs> and and he's like, where'd you get that shirt? And I'm like, my my wife. He's like, your T-shirt, where'd you get your shirt? And uh, I was wearing this Manson shirt from the Mechanical Animals tour, uh, 98, and it's a Suicide King on the back, and they only sold it on that tour. It's kind of a hard shirt to get, and for anybody who's like a collector on eBay, it's just it's not one of the ones that's always on there. But I actually got it at the show, and I'm like, well, you, you can't get it anymore. And he's like, oh, my producing partner made a movie called Suicide King, and I, I really want to get that shirt for him. And he's just staring at me, and I'm like, <laughs> don't think I'm taking my shirt off for you. He's like, I love. Nightmare on Elm Street, but I'm I'm not that much, you know. <laughs> and so he uh, he walks away. And later that night, when I got home, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna try. And I looked on eBay, and I happened to find the same shirt in a size large, brand new closing for like seventy five dollars in two minutes. And so I outbid whoever the guy was who thought he was gonna get it. And I called Robert's agent, and I'm like, you know, I want to send him this shirt as a gift. And his agent was like, you know, I was standing right there. Why didn't you say who you were? I said, I'm, it's not my style, but I just want to send him the shirt as a gift because I know he wants it. And so sure enough, my script rose up to the top of the pile and he actually read it. And the next day, we actually have this on the DVD for the behind the scenes. Um, my assistant comes into the office and says, you know, Robert England's on the phone for you. And it's 30 minutes of me just on the phone saying nothing but say, thank you. <laughs> thank you, sir, Mr. England, sir, thank you. And him just going off on, like, how great he thinks the script is and that this could be the next icon, and he's so eager to do it, and and all because of that Marilyn Manson shirt. So it's it's that's a pretty funny story. But that's kind of oh, like yeah. how we got everybody. It was just weird things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, does it make you proud that, like, so many people have uh, been giving it good reviews and uh, a lot of people in, like, uh, the horror genre saying it might be the next uh, big icon and everything? Um. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's great to hear that stuff, but you kind of, you kind of have to take it all with a grain of salt. Like, right. we've been extremely fortunate that we really haven't gotten a bad review. And, and that's great, but we are going to get a bad review at some point. I mean, it happens to everybody. It's going to happen. And, it, and I can't take that seriously either. I mean, I'm confident in the film. I've seen it with enough audiences at this point that I know it works. And the and the reviews are great, but they're they're still just reviews. It's just somebody's opinion, and I'm sure there's going to be people who see it who don't agree with the reviews or do. Or and when they start saying he's like the next icon, I think I think there's still a ways to go before we can actually say that. I mean, that's obviously it's very flattering, but um, I, I think to be an icon, you have to have some sort of longevity. Mm-hmm. So let's see what happens if there's a hatchet too, and if it lives up to the first one, and and then may, you know maybe maybe Victor Crowley will be a horror icon. I mean that would be that would be 
insane, but um, I think it's still a little early to be saying that. But I mean, obviously, yeah, when you hear it, it's like, wow, thank you. Um, but you got to keep a level head about it all. Right. Uh, it recently won um, Audience Choice Award for Best Picture at the Fantastic Fest in, uh, Fantastic Fest in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Um, was that something uh, you take a little more seriously because uh, the audience picked it? Yeah. Like, it's funny, but when if, like, a jury picked it, it would be cool, and you'd be like, awesome, they liked it. But, it, you know, it's a jury, and who knows who was on it and what the – what their reasons were for voting for the things they did, but when it's the audience choice award, and that literally means that everybody was sitting there like voted on a card and, and they liked yours the best. I mean, that's like, it doesn't really get better than that. Um, and like, especially that audience at Fantastic Fest, like that's like a hardcore audience. And those people were really, really hyped up to see this and they were really like serious about it. And a lot of them were very skeptical. They were admitting it beforehand. I was walking through the line and there was a line before the midnight show that was like uh, the whole lobby of the theater out the door outside, and a lot of the people didn't get in because it sold out so fast, and and it was really scary. Plus, uh, Andrew Bjarnski shows up, who I'd never met before, but like I said, I'm a total horror fanboy, and he's just like comes up to me, he's like, "Yeah, I saved your seat next to me." I'm like, "Awesome!" So <laughs> now I get to watch it with all this stress and Leatherface. <laughs> and he's next to me, and every time Victor Crowley's killing somebody, he's just laughing and elbowing me like as hard as he can. That's fucking great. That was fucking great, dude. And I'm so black and blue from sitting next to him, like still. <laughs> and then at some point, he just kind of switched over from calling me Adam to calling me Eric. Um, and I, it's one of those things like when somebody calls you the wrong name, if you don't correct them right away, you kind of can't at that point because right. you missed your opportunity. So he probably still thinks I'm Eric, but whatever, and that's cool. <laughs> My brother's name's Eric, so I guess it's all right. Close enough. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about, like, uh, a lot of the death scenes and stuff. Did anybody think of anything that you just thought was, like, too crazy that uh, you didn't want to put in the movie or just too over the top? Um, Not really. I mean, I wrote all the deaths, and they all stayed in as is. There was one that I actually tried to take out because I didn't think that it made sense. And um, I just to kind of go back in time, the first short film I ever made was called Columbus Day Weekend. And it was, um, I made it for $8 with my friends in somebody's backyard. And it was like this big fat Jason and this big fat Michael Myers stocked <laughs> the same campsite by mistake. And then they're gay for each other. And that got like bootlegged all over. That was like, really what got me started in Hollywood. And it's like, at some point, it will resurface on the internet again. I was just going to say, I'm about to look that one up. It, was, it used to be readily accessible, but I kind of had to take that down now because <laughs> I don't want to get sued. Right. Um, so, but it was, uh, I mean, it's definitely funny, but there was a gag in there where this girl's trying to run away from Fat Jason, and he just looks down, and there's like an electrical cord running through the woods plugged into a fan, and he takes the fan <laughs> and kills her with it. Because we were just trying to make fun of how they always seem to find the craziest weapons in the middle of nowhere. So Victor Crowley has a shed full of, of tools and stuff. But one of the deaths was he puts a belt sander in this girl's mouth. And it's something that we did in Columbus Day. Michael Myers did it to somebody. But then I was thinking, I'm like, there's no such thing as a gas-powered belt sander. So he'd have to plug it in. So what are we going to do? Have like an extension cord running into like, the burned-down house? Like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> 
And as soon as I said that, all the guys in the effect shop started, they were pleading with me. They're like, please don't take this step out. This is the coolest step. And the production designer said, how about this? If you give me 48 hours, I will try to build a functioning gas-powered sander. And if I can do it, that means that it could exist in real life. And then will you use it? And I said, fine, thinking there's no way he can do this in 48 hours. Sure enough, he shows up on set 48 hours later, and he's pulling the cord on a gas-powered belt sander, and the thing works. And two hours later, it's in the girl's mouth. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, and it's not even like anything is necessarily realistic when you're talking about a, a deformed man who's back from the dead and ripping people limb from limb in a swamp. But for some reason, I just didn't want the belt sander to seem too hokey. I mean, it's definitely crazy when it happens because it sort of comes out of nowhere. But the audience reaction in here in Germany and London has just been like people just kind of cheering and screaming. And there's one death that's actually been bringing people to their feet in some in some showings, which is uh, the one that everyone's talking about online that we show at the conventions, which is the woman getting her face ripped in half. And um, literally people just all stand and start cheering, which is... Which is fun because I remember seeing these movies like when I saw, I think it was Friday 7 when -hmm. Jason pulled out the weed whacker and the audience I was with in Boston all just stood up and started screaming and cheering and that was the point that I realized like, wait a minute, like Jason's the good guy. Like he's the hero. Like he's the one that we're rooting for because they were never really scary. You just wanted to see how they were going to kill the next person. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, ultimately you wanted to see their face at the end and um, usually ended up being kind of a letdown, but that's <laughs> right. right. A lot of people have said that it's uh, also a very funny movie. Um, yeah. Was there ever any uh, fear of maybe having too much comedy in it, that it might uh, get in the way of the horror? There was definitely some talk up front of having to be careful to keep the comedy out of the horror, because I think all, like all the best horror movies have funny moments in them, this movie is supposed to be like a roller coaster ride where it almost seems like it's not a horror movie for a second and then you're painfully reminded what you're in for. But what we did is we always kept the the scares separate from the jokes. And I think the jokes helped make the cast a lot more likable, which was another problem with uh, the early slashers was that you never really cared about any of these people and you didn't even know their names. Like I think there's probably 25 Fridays, Nightmares, and Halloweens and if you can name, like, more than three supporting characters' names, like, you're, you know, you're crazy. But <laughs> they were just, uh, they were very forgettable. So by making the whole cast really likable and really funny, it just it just changed the dynamic of the film, and you actually felt bad for them. At the same time, there's nobody who's just downright stupid in this. Um, for instance, they never say, okay, let's all split up. Um, okay. there's never a part where, um, it actually, when the, when the shit starts to hit the fan, um, one of the, one of my favorite moments in the movie is Dion Richmond, who plays Marcus. The first thing he does is climb up a tree because I always used to say that, like, if Jason's coming after you or Michael Myers <laughs> is coming after you, just climb a fucking tree because right. at least you can see where they're coming from. I mean, of course they would then just appear in the tree next to you and get you or something, but, um, but they, it's they, nice. they, they they treat it very real and they're just, they're legitimately scared and they, they just keep saying like, this is so fucked up. What the hell is going on? Um, but because you, the first half of the movie, you were laughing with them. It really kind of helps. And when you walk out of it, like I usually try to leave the theater like right before the end so I can see people's faces when they walk out. And at this point it's, 
it's kind of easy to do because most people don't know what I look like, so I can really blend in and nobody knows that I'm there. Um, and it's just really fun to see people walking out with these huge smiles on their faces. And in some cases, I tried back to like the same people because it was five nights there, kept coming back night after night, which was also a good feeling because it's a it's just a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other places uh, coming up can uh, people come and see the movie? Um, let's see. The next, I think there's only one more chance in America to see it. It's going to be in in Barcelona in Spain um, on Friday the 13th and Saturday the 15th. And then in Los Angeles, it's going to be playing at ScreenFest on Hollywood Boulevard on October 21st, which is a Saturday. And then that will be it until it actually comes out. We actually we were only going to do one American festival, and then that was it. But when Harry Knowles like, handpicks your movie himself, you don't say no. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to explain to the distributor that we were still negotiating with at the time. I'm like, look, Harry Knowles wants the movie in Fantastic Fest. I'm bringing it. Like, I know you don't want to show anybody anymore. And it's like, the reason why they don't want it out too much is that you don't want to be overexposed. But with this movie, there's nothing we can do about that because it's like the internet hype. There's, like, we had nothing to do with this aside from building our website. And, Everybody knows about it, but you, you don't want to hype it too much, and you don't want to get people's expectations to the roof and all that other stuff. We already have the good reviews. There's really no reason to be showing it anymore right. until it comes out. Um, but it, I mean, as far as when it comes out, I was hearing uh, the end of January, but originally what they were saying was they would open it limited as an NC-17, and then after that they would put it out everywhere as a rated R. But now they're actually thinking they're not going to do the NC-17 one. They're just going to do the rated R one, and they're going to do it wide right away, which would mean that they would probably, I would imagine they're going to hold till February or March if they're going to do, like, 2,000 screens or something like that. But it's, I still haven't seen, like, any sort of contract or paperwork or anything like that. I just know in the initial deal with the distributor, it was a, it was a guaranteed theatrical film. So that was uh, kind of what we were holding for. Because some of the some of the other places that I don't want to name are notorious for picking up independent movies and then shelving them for like years, and then all of a sudden they come out on video or like what happened with Feast, which was did you guys see Feast yet? No. Hmm. It it's so good. Like I mean, whatever people will say what they will. I'm sure it's not the greatest movie ever, but it is such a good time, and it's such a shame that that was only in theaters for two nights, but. Things like that, like, you don't want that to happen to your movie. So um, the deal that we have was a guaranteed theatrical. So that's really all I know. Um, and then, like, the speculation of when they're saying it should come out. But it'll definitely be out in the next few months. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if they, if they put out, yeah, what are you saying, uh, Lee? Uh I was just saying early 07 then, probably. Yes. Yeah. If, if they put the R movie out, um, are you hoping for, like, a director's cut on DVD then? Yeah, part of um, what we talked about when we were negotiating who we were going to go with, and again, like with this movie, we were in a really good position because it wasn't like we only had one option. Like we got to sort of, you know, feel out different places and see who was the best choice. But the place that we're going to be going with um, is really good with their DVD department. And they, I said to them, like, I really want to make sure that the first time the movie comes out on DVD, it's the unrated one with all the stuff. Because as a fan, I hate it when you go and buy a movie and then three months later they put it out with more scenes right. and more stuff and they just keep ripping the fans off left and right. 
Um, I can't promise that there, there won't be more editions of the movie in 10 years or something like that, but at least as far as our contract goes, was that the first time the DVD comes out, it'll be the, the full movie, and that'll be it. Mm-hmm. So hopefully uh, they stick to that. Cool. Uh, really appreciate you coming on here. Tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Anything you want to tell everybody out there? Um, I guess just uh, thank you to everybody for, for everything and the 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 fans that send me gifts and letters and stuff and it's just like I don't know what I did to deserve this and but I I so appreciate having everybody here and I hope when the movie comes out everybody digs it and um and I guess the one thing I could say to just the horror community as a whole would be like stop letting them take advantage of you if you know a movie sucks don't go see it and I mean I'm not saying that like Oh, go support Hatchet because it is a rated R real horror movie or whatever. Don't go see Hatchet. I don't care. But just, like, let them know that you can't be taken advantage of because they are taking advantage of us really bad. All these remakes and sequels and oh, Japanese God. movies. If I see one more creepy <laughs> Japanese kid crawl across the floor, it's just, like, but as long as we keep paying for it, they're going to keep doing it because they just want to make money. Mm-hmm. So let them know, like, what you'll take and what you won't take. And, um... Even if Hatchet doesn't fall into your category of what you would take, don't go see it. I don't care. But just, you know, stand up for yourselves and let's try to take it back again and start getting some original new characters out there. I just have to say, I love the tagline. It's not a remake, it's not a sequel, and it's not based on a Japanese one. You know, that was one of the only things that there wasn't an argument over. When I proposed <laughs> that, it was instantly, everyone was like, okay, done. And that was it. And we actually had some backlash from that when we started screening for distributors because it offended them because that's all they do. And they were kind of like, well, now whoever puts this out is kind of admitting that, you know, the other stuff they put out is just remakes and sequels and shit. (laughs) So it's, uh, it was a, it was a kind of a, it was a weird position to be in. And I think in hindsight, some people would advise me that I shouldn't have used that as the tagline. But again, like, I was just making what I wanted to see and trying to make my point, whether people agree with it or not. Um, but I think politically, if we had gone with something that's like, you know, he's going to tear your soul apart or some right. gay <laughs> shit, then uh, we probably would have gotten a better response from distributors right away. But they were all a little kind of pissed off about that because it was directly attacking them. But somebody had to do it, and I hope it turns around. I got to admit, I'm really looking forward to the new Texas Chainsaw. I'm hearing nothing but good stuff about it. Mm-hmm. And some of these remakes are definitely cool, but like, did we really need one of Stranger Calls? <laughs> did we, did oh, we need it the first time? We definitely <laughs> don't need it again. And like, some of the stuff that I keep getting called in on, like, it's ridiculous the stuff they're remaking. They will remake anything. Um, like, the worst horror movie you can think of, they will remake. Slumber Party Massacre 3. <laughs> Not even Slumber Party Massacre 1. 3. They will remake that because it's a prepackaged title, and they know that because people, that's just like the whole recognition thing, people will be like, oh, yeah, I want to go see that. So um, just stand up for yourselves and say no when you know that you're being fed crap and uh, and support the stuff that you want to support. And we really dictate what's going to happen because, trust me, the guys making the decisions in Hollywood are not horror fans. They don't care. They don't really like it. They're just giving us what we pay for. So pay for the stuff you want. Don't pay for the stuff you don't want and you can kind of dictate what you're going to get. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me. Good luck on everything. Yeah, good luck. Thank you very much.
back. Welcome to Without Your Head. Without Your Head, baby. I'm Jack. Yes, and I'm One Inch Biceps. Oh, I was going to go by Intro, wasn't I? Yeah. Oh. You can go by Intro. Whatever. People know me. <laughs> Call me John. I don't care. <laughs> oh, man. All right. We're here with John. <laughs> I'm Steve, and who's this? You're not Steve. Timothy. <laughs> hey, Tim. I'm glad to meet you. Nice to meet you. I want to uh, thank Adam Green for coming on the show this evening. Oh, for sure. Right. This evening is 1 o'clock in the morning. It's really got me pumped up to see the uh, movie there, though. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah, I am I too. Um, I think what he was talking about really fits in with um, what Incher and I talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. Like off air. Killing people? Yeah, about killing people, climbing up trees. And- Hatches. Yeah, I mean, once somebody climbs up the tree, that's where the hatchet comes in play. You start just chopping the tree down slowly. Now, how, how horrifying would that be? That would be an awesome scene, too. <laughs> that just, would be cool. Just standing there watching the killer cut down your tree. Yeah, what would you do? Jump out of the tree? Break your leg? Mm-hmm. You, uh, yeah, then like, how are you going to get away? You know, do you, like, rip off, like, acorns and throw them at, throw them at the guy? <laughs> acorns. Yeah. You know what? One time, um, I lived across the street from a state forest when we were younger, and uh, this guy um, used to go up and he would build um, like booby traps in the state forest. <laughs> and uh, and so we were up there and we were walking and I hit one of the like the trip wires. He thought he was like the man. He built this trip wire, and honestly, God, it was like it was these two um, pine cones came down like from each end, like they would. Like they would come down and hit in the middle, mm-hmm. I guess, like to like smash your brains in. You know what I'm saying? But each one weighed maybe like an ounce, and so mm-hmm. they just kind of swung down like real slowly. It didn't even quite touch and just kind of floated there. So they are harmless, so like booby traps. Yeah. Well, he thought that he thought they were great. But oh, yeah. It wasn't like the Predator or anything like no, that. No, no, no. I, th- I thought, like, maybe the guy just realized that killing can get you in jail. So, <laughs> like, he just builds these harmless booby traps just to show you that he can. He was actually mad that we went up and uh, knocked them all off. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Should I say his was real name? the wee man's brother? Yes, yes. yes. That's who did that. Yes. Hmm. Well, I'll be... Yeah, but what we're saying though, you know, um, I, I think that the, that whole like uh, the whole uh, line for that movie Hatchet, mm-hmm. it's not it's not a, a sequel, it's not a remake, and it's not a Japanese one. I think uh, like a lot of time uh, horror movie fans will really get that and, and and get behind that. Oh yeah, the old school. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but like all these movies recently, I just I just do not want to see them. <laughs> It's like, people will tell me that they're good, and, you know, maybe I should check them out and stuff. But every time that I do, I'm always let down. Mm. I feel bad about talking about them, because it's like, I haven't actually seen them, you know? It's kind of like, not something you should actually do. Right. You're like the old curmudgeon of, of, of uh, Without Your Head. Yeah, I'm talking about the days of back when and everything right. else. I don't know, they just feel cheap. They just feel like, you know, they're just... Like he was saying, it's all about the money nowadays. And it's just like, they're just they're just pumping them out because people are paying for them. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying, though, you know, like... Uh, that's why it got me excited to see this movie, though, Hatchet. I'm mm-hmm. not just saying that because he's on the show, but... Uh, 
It's the well, stuff I, I like I, to see. I like to see. I like to see the crazy uh, death scenes. Mm-hmm. Well, like he was saying, you know, it's everything's PG thirteen, so it's kind of a watered down version of, you know, something else that you might want to see. Mm-hmm. Right. Hmm. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, he's talking about uh, Victor Crowley, which is a killer in his movie. What, what are some of your favorite uh, slashers of the past? I think, uh, you know, I, I definitely have to say, you know, the obvious choice, like Michael Myers uh, or uh, Jason and Friday 13th or... I don't know, you know, Freddy, I guess. I don't know if you can consider, like... I guess you can consider Freddy as, like, a slasher because he just goes around and kills people the entire movie. Right. I don't know. Norman Bates? I was just going to say Norman Bates has to be, like, the original slasher. Yeah, they they always say, like, you know, Halloween stuff's the original slasher movie or or Friday the 13th. But uh, I I think uh, Psycho really is. Think about it. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's, like... I think it has to be definitely considered, like, the motivation to start in the whole thing. Because, you know, he only killed, like, three people in that movie, if I'm mm-hmm. if I'm correct. Uh, but still, I think that's what got the ball in motion to yeah. start and bringing each, these movies out. Each death scene's very memorable. Mm-hmm. Well, I think true. that's the most important part for, like, a slasher movie. Yeah, I was going to bring this up. I think... Um, a horror, like a slasher movie, is only as good as the uh, as the slasher himself. If you know, you have to have a memorable uh, villain, you know, oh, the yeah. slasher, in uh, good death scenes. That's you know, that's what people want to see. Yeah, that's probably like the two biggest biggest parts. You you need like the memorable character, and and then like you say, the memorable death scene. Mm-hmm. Hmm. One uh. One that's not mentioned a whole lot, The Prowler. Have you guys seen that one? No. Yeah, it's it's made by Joseph Zito, the guy who made uh, Friday the 13th Part 4. And it's, it feels a lot like a Friday the 13th movie. Uh, it's pretty neat to watch. I, I, it's, it's one of the lesser-known kind of slashers <laughs> that I think everybody needs to check out. Right. Um, you know, I'm also a fan of The Burning. Mm-hmm. Which uh, Inter was actually uh, one of the first times I talked to Inter was uh, impressed that, that that I knew the movie. That's true. That's true. Yeah, Inter has some backstory on like that whole movie, like in the time with Friday the Thirteenth and uh, Jason Voorhees, I believe. Well, they explain it on the uh, the Jason X uh, like history of Jason Voorhees DVD thing on um on Jason X. They right. just basically talk about Cropsey and how that's kind of like it was a old folk tale around New York. New York and that, this camp area, and that's basically how they came up with the whole story for Jason. So, I think whenever they released Friday the 13th, people, the people who uh, did the burning, decided to, you know, do uh, like a full, you know, like the the original story of uh, how Jason Voorhees came about, you know, the folk tale or whatever. Right. Um, I think um, the Hatchet movie is kind of based off that too, because. Um you said on an, uh, an earlier interview that, uh, like, he thought of the character, like, when he was at camp. Mm-hmm. And, like, they told, they just told them, basically, you know, that a hatchet face will come and get you. <laughs> There's just going to be a big scary guy pummeling this whole uh, uh, campsite, so 
Sleep well, kids. <laughs> what what gets into adults to just scare kids like that? It's just like it's like what well, what entertains us so much just to just frighten the little boogers out of their minds like that. Ooh. Yeah, but then then once they do get scared though, like kids just want more and more and more. You know, you just you get hooked on it. <laughs> that is true. It's like you know why do people watch movies like this? <laughs> you know. <laughs> It does make you wonder, but I guess that could be said about all forms of entertainment. I mean, you know, why does people watch, like, MMA or something? I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, that's pretty brutal in itself, you know. Oh, yeah. People getting their face pounded in, but, like, they're just like, oh, yeah. I like <laughs> to see people get hurt. <laughs> I don't know. That's kind of, like, where I draw the line, though, on horror movies. I don't... I, it's like... If I watch like movies like uh, like a surgical film like where they're like cutting out somebody's freaking kidney or something, mm-hmm. I don't like to see that. No, <laughs> I don't. Right. I don't like it if it's real. I like it That's if it's fake. Uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 Do not big on like the stuff. Lines. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think I <laughs> want to see that. There's also guidelines like you know you you should never like you know don't don't have your your. Uh, you mad killer, like, kill a children, you know, any of the children, or, you know, don't kill the family dog or anything. I was just going to say, you know, uh, you know, if you're watching a movie, and they'll kill, like, a bunch of people or something, and you're like, yeah, like, awesome, you know, kill that guy, whatever. And, but as soon as they kill they kill the dog or something, I mean, you're, like, sad. Oh, I'm pissed. I, I get I get pissed off. That, that's where I draw the line. So when Michael Myers killed the dog in the first Halloween, oh, you, like, yeah, you turned yeah. it off. I believe it's a it's, fluffy, then I'm yeah. Dead. I don't know if you ever seen uh, the movie Komodo <laughs> with the giant Komodo dragons. It's, a, it's actually a really good. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it and sounds he, awesome. He, he the Komodo dragon jumps through the door and like eats the dog. <laughs> and, like, oh, I remember eats, that. Yeah, yeah, you're like, oh my god, he killed the dog. Door, right? like, yeah. 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 <laughs> It's, it's actually good though if you should get that. The guy, the guy does the special effects. Actually, did uh, special effects for um, for like Jurassic Park, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the are really well done. Hmm. I'll have to put that on the list there to check it out. Now I don't know exact timelines or anything, but the the first like you know slasher type character that like I can remember and. It started in the comic, and then um, through a movie, and then into an HBO show, was one of the early Tales from the Crypt, where um, I think he was he was an escaped like mental patient, dresses mm. up like Santa Claus and gets the act. Right. <laughs> Remember that one? Oh yeah. Like in the show. Yeah, that's the first. That's the first one I believe in the pilot, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. And then, then in the old um, British Tales from the Crypt, that's one of the three stories in that, too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, speaking of that actor, you know, there's another, uh, which I was really fond of when I saw it at the theater, and I don't think it really uh, brought up too much anymore, it's uh, Dr. Giggles. Oh, yeah, Dr. Giggles was great. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, Didn't I, I have, like, the guy Dr. from, like, that was, like, the... Uh... The idiot on L.A. Law is like Dr. Giggles. <laughs> what was it? He the axe murderer on, uh... Did he play the axe murderer on that episode you're talking about? Oh, did he really? I didn't I even know so. that was I think that. he did. Maybe he did. Yeah, looks, looks like him, like anyway. Him, yeah, yeah. It was the guy... He was also in The Dark Man. I can't think of his name, though. 
They always thought about I could IMDB it, but that's cheating. Right. They always talked about a sequel to Dr. Giggles, but I don't think they ever did it. Yeah, I thought I thought that one was really I think they might have did a sequel. Really? I think they might have. I'm not sure. They kinda Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean I think I I think I would be more uh more aware of whether they did a sequel for it if it was of the caliber of brain scan. I was trying to think of that movie, you know. <laughs> it's the greatest Edward Furlong movie ever. Brain Scan. <laughs> the Trickster, baby. That That's the name of the Trickster. Now, that was a guy. <laughs> they were pushing him as, like, the next Freddy Krueger when that movie came out. Well, it was, like, a nice Freddy Krueger because, like, uh, well, some spoilers alert here if anybody hasn't seen the movie. But, like, right, at the end. I'm sure they're, they're jumping out to go see it. <laughs> You son of a bitch. You gave away the end of a freaking brain scan. How dare you? But at the end of the movie, it's like all a dream. He's just like, it was all it was all the game. Oh, man. It was like, it was like you know, he, Edward gets like this CD in the mail, and it's like, check out this new hip computer game. And, and so he plays the game, and then like at the end of the movie, it was like, yeah, that was all the game. And he was like, he was like a good guy at the end of the movie. Uh, oh, Franklin Jello's in that too. Who? Is it really Franklin Jello? I love I love uh, I love the part when he puts in like the Prima CD. He like starts rocking out and then he just like gives us like primal scream. Right. I gotta <laughs> say this though, Edward Furlong is actually in like a lot of like great movies, but I can't stand that guy. <laughs> that guy is awful. He's got this little whiny girl voice. Yeah, he's an annoying guy. How the hell did he ever get, like, parts? Oh, the trickster took to him awful well. Oh, man. <laughs> the trickster. <laughs> he's the kind of kid you'd, you'd beat up in school, you know? Yeah, you don't think of him. He's not going to save the world. No. Well, how do you get the... Why was he in Terminator 2? Why wasn't he in the third one? I don't understand that. They could have got the same dude. But. I think he was, like, you know, he's all, like, in the gutter somewhere, like... You know, <laughs> the needle's stuck in his arm. I don't, I don't know. That's awful nice of you. Um, let's see. Was, I mean, he had personal. He has what, personal demons, I believe. One of the one of the things that he says he's remaking. Uh, Adam Green said in our uh, interview there that this slumber party massacre. How about a slasher right there, baby? Now, I only ever, I, I didn't even know that a part three existed. I didn't even know a part Dude, two existed. I think, I think I own up to part four, and I think there's more than that. <laughs> wow. Now, now part two is really something to behold there, Flea. All right? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> there's like this rockabilly Elvis Presley uh, killer in it. <laughs> and get this. Oh, man. I'm sold already. <laughs> they, give, they give him a guitar, okay? And he plays the get and he shreds on the guitar while he's like the and there's like a drill bit on the end. I don't think I said that part before. And like oh, the nice. drill bit will start up at the end. <laughs> and then he goes rock and roll never dies, baby, and then he like kills people with it. Nice. <laughs> now how great is that? Why can't they make now, movies like this anymore? <laughs> Hello, Hollywood. <laughs> I want I want the killer to have a freaking drill bit. On the end of his guitar, and go around <laughs> playing playing rockabilly hillbilly music. 
<laughs> Screaming rock and roll never dies, baby. Oh, man. Now, who, what, what movie was it with the Driller Killer? Didn't they call somebody that? The Driller Killer? I'm not sure. Yeah. The Driller Killer. I think it was a 70s flick. It wasn't, um... Mm, toolbox? Toolbox Murders? Oh, the Toby Hooper Was movie? it? I don't, no, I don't think so. This is, mm. this is a real, real low budget one. I just remember like that, the, the crazed killer coming in with like this big ass drill and just like, you know, drilling through everybody. I'm almost thinking it might have been Slumber Party Massacre, but I can't, I don't know, I it can't look fine. it up on IMDb because that's cheating. Yeah. That's yeah. the new rule. That's the new rule for the show nowadays. Oh man, we can't look right. anything oh, up while doing the show because oh, right. that's cheap. Maybe maybe it was. Was that like a late seventies, early eighties flick? So I can't lie and just say that the the actor played Doctor Giggles just came to me. His name is Larry Drake. <laughs> you can lie on that one. <laughs> that's cheating. Oh, was he also the, the idiot in L.A. Law though? I want to yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's Good. done a lot of stuff, I think. <laughs> huh. Hmm. I don't know. What's some other notable uh, slasher movies? Uh, uh, actually, I just bought like the the box set, the box DVD set. The cheesy or the Ron, Based off Rock, uh, Ron Hex's uh, uh, recommendation on the first Without Your Head. Because mm-hmm. I just bought the uh, Sleepaway Camp uh, box set. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And... Um, you got to say, it's a very memorable ending to uh, the original uh, Sleep Weekend. Yep, yep, that's one you'll always remember, that's I'd, true. I'd say so, yeah. <laughs> but the the uh, full frontal nudity working there. You know, I was, uh, I was, um, I was getting disappointed, though. I, like, looked at the credits, and that role was actually played by a girl. Yeah. <laughs> so that wasn't you, like, you know. Well, are you sure it wasn't like a hermaphrodite that played that role? Oh, it's possible, yeah. 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 Man, that talk about cheese. That that movie is like so cheesy, but yet it's good. Pamela. Now, did did they make a sequel to that? Yeah, yeah they three made of them. I have three. the box set. I believe the they fourth one. put out a box set. Yeah, I believe the fourth one's in the works or something. Wow. Now you guys are going to get us some heat here. Every time? <laughs> you guys are going to get pissing people off here if you're going to start bad mathing. <laughs> Sleep away, can't but. No, no, I wouldn't do that. I wish I knew enough to defend it, but I really don't because I really wasn't too big on the movie either. No, no, I like, I, I honestly enjoyed it. I enjoyed the movie quite a bit. But it's, um, part of the enjoyment is that it's really cheesy. Is the idiot from L.A. Law in it, though? No, no, I don't think, oh, any, I don't think anybody that's ever starred in any movie that's before or since is in it. Mr. Giggles. Oh, actually, uh, yeah, the, the guy who owns the camp, he's like, I think he's in like, um, Footloose or something. Oh, nice. Wasn't like John Lithgow, was it? <laughs> John Lithgow. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's not Footloose. Maybe it's the other one. The other, uh, the other uh, dancing movie there. Dirty yeah. Dancing. Suck it. Dirty yeah. Dancing. <laughs> yeah, I think that dude might have been in that. Yeah. Wow. Nobody puts Baby in the corner. Right. <laughs> it, it was that guy? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the guy. He was he was the voice of um the candle in Beauty and the Beast. The, the, seriously, everybody <laughs> has to see the movie. They should they should rent it. It's it's awesome. Like these people are all dying, and he's like he's like all pissed off. Like oh, don't tell anybody because they're not going to send the kids to the camp anymore. You know, it's just awesome. 
And like the beginning, like the cook's like watching these like eight year old girls like run around and he's like, Ooh, baby. I like them baldies. Nice. This is awful. I mean it's just awesome. It's the same like um Hermaphrodite, the killer in the second one as well? I haven't, I haven't watched I haven't got the first No, that's a different actress. I believe the one in the second one's uh her name's Pamela Springsteen. I can't remember the one that plays in, in the first. I believe that's correct. Uh, it could be wrong. I don't know. What is it, like the identical movie? <laughs> no, she's like all grown up in that one. She's just going around oh, okay. killing people. More or less like a, uh, you know, slasher. No no surprise ending here, pretty much. No. Right, right. She just has I her, didn't know uh, if it was a rule, like she just had to drop her britches yeah. on like every one or something. I think the, by the third one, she just walks around with her schlong hanging out. Cool. <laughs> I don't think that's true, but anyhow. You know, I guess cause you can't because they're called slasher movies, but I think, you know, um, in one of these movies, they should make one where the guy uses a blunt instrument to kill people. Well, that would be a smasher. Uh, yeah, wouldn't that be good? The like, guy just has a big, like, hammer, he just, like, bashes yeah. people's heads in. I don't think that's been done. I don't no. think the killers ever just walk around. No, the only thing I think of is, no. like, in the, uh, the remake of The Shining for TV was the guy had the croquet mallet. Halloween, he used like a hammer to bash dude's head in. Yeah, well, you, too. you think you think of him though carrying around the knife. He might. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure like uh, in different ones they've used like um, uh, a blunt instrument once in a while. But you don't think of a guy like known for using a blunt instrument. It's you usually know, knives or chainsaws, machetes. You know, it's one of the slashers that came out like fairly recently, and it's kind of overlooked a lot. People don't really remember it. Is uh you, you know Valentine? Oh yeah, my bloody Valentine. Oh yeah. No 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 no. It's 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 like the one with the guy with the cherub on his face. Not my bloody Valentine. No, I don't think I think it had like Denise oh. Richards in it or something like that. Yeah, yep. It's not well, like great. It's actually not bad, you know. Yeah, it's not great, but it's like I don't know. It's it's de- it's decent, you know. I mean. Yeah, it's well thought out. I can't think of the name of it though. Yeah, Valentine. I believe that's it. Title. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. But it was kind of neat. I thought that was an interesting looking killer. I thought it was like, you know, going with the holiday theme, you know. Freddy's yeah. Freddy's like the Christmas uh, killer because he wears a red and green sweater. Um, <laughs> I never thought, I never made that connection. <laughs> Jason's like the uh, the uh, Friday 13th, you know, right, killer. Because that's the name of the movie. Because that's the name of the movie. And then, uh, you One know, Jason. Yeah, Michael Myers. He's he's like the the uh, Halloween one. Oh, no, Halloween. not Thanksgiving. Yeah, we need a Thanksgiving one. Like yeah, we need a Thanksgiving true. killer. You could go around and beat people with a turkey. Yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's another like uh, Christmas stick. one. He could like club people with a drumstick. Right. Uh, Bill Goldberg was was in a uh, <laughs> Santa sleigh. Oh, Santa sleigh. That was sleigh. a classic. Yeah. <laughs> that was a classic. <laughs> Motel Hell, I think, is is a great one too, as mm-hmm. far as like kind of overlooked one. Yeah, I Motel's really that movie. Yeah, I'm planning on uh, checking that out pretty soon. I actually haven't seen that, so. Oh, you haven't? Mm-mm. How about Fun House? Have yeah, I was just gonna say Fun House. Uh, that's a good one too. That used yeah. to really scare me when I was a kid. Have you seen that one? Intro Fun House with the uh, deformed guy. The deformed guy. I think I might have. That's not that's not the one directed by that uh, Victor Salva dude, is it? I'm not really sure. Jeez, I'm not sure either. But uh, I mean, 
back like in the day, like in the monster magazines, that used to always be on the cover of them. That yeah, Fangoria would always have like a big thing about uh, yeah. Or you really got the pig on his head from uh, from the other movie. Oh, from Motel Hell. Yeah. Yeah. Thinks all kinds of critters. <laughs> <laughs> was Chuck Carnage in that one? Was that the one with him? No, I'm not really sure. Hmm. I think he was in it. Chuck Connors who played the rifleman. Right, right. But uh, we can't mention Valentine. But I, I was, I liked uh, Bloody Valentine. I thought that was a good movie. I wasn't yeah. too big on that one, really. Really? I kind of got, kind of got boring. I don't know. I just it didn't really do it for me. I remember being scared of it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That's the one where you had, like, the gas mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it looked like kind of like a Scooby-Doo type, like, <laughs> monster, you know? You'd think they'd just take off the mask at the end and you'd be like, if it wasn't for you, damn kids. <laughs> <laughs> Dom DeLuise, oh my God. <laughs> what about Saturday the 14th? Mm. Saturday the 14th. Are you ID? Are you IMDb? No, the movie's up. This movie's terrible. <laughs> no, I didn't. Chucky, man. We haven't mentioned Chucky. Oh, oh you know, ri- the original Chucky, though, is a great movie. Can oh, you, Child's Play, I love. Yeah. Can you imagine the reaction that they would have got whenever that she holds him up? Like, in the theaters, she holds him up and she's like, Talk or I'm throwing you into a fire. <laughs> and he just oh. looks over and he's like, Ew. <laughs> I, I, I could just imagine, imagine like, the uh, reaction that got. <laughs> Who was the voice of I'm Chucky? also a big fan of uh, Brad Dourif. Yeah. Oh. Brad it's really good oh, acting. Right. Hmm. I'm sorry, Jack, you were a big fan. Um, I, I, I don't think the second or the third one are any good, but I, I really uh, liked uh, Brad Chucky. No, yeah. I kind of have a... I don't know. I kind of enjoy the... Uh, Second and third one for like their exploitation kind of appeal about it, you know. Uh, I don't know. Chucky has some pretty funny lines. Oh yeah. Throughout the movie, he always does. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of like the like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street those sequels. Like, there's some funny lines and some cool death scenes, but it's pretty much just the same movie over and over. <laughs> mm. Are you telling me like uh, like uh, Freddy's Dead was like uh, a comedy? <laughs> No, no. Is that what you're saying? I mean, I mean, come on, bro. They had this, they had this scene where, where this, this kid, his name's Carlos, and he had this hearing aid, <laughs> and like his mom comes up to him and and she's like, I think you need your ears cleaned out, and she pulls out like a, uh, like a foot long uh, <laughs> Q-tip. Oh, I remember that. And he's yep. like, Please, mama, don't make me death. <laughs> And then she she shoves it through his head. That's not comedy. That's that's pure horror right there. Thank you, Tim. That was in Freddy Vision. I actually went to the theater to see that, and mm-hmm. we got our little Freddy Vision glasses. It turned out just to be cheap, <laughs> cheap 3D. 3D, right, yeah. <laughs> it was like in Friday the 13th Part 3. I remember going to see that one. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see that in the theaters. But, uh, it, it was fun, you know. I yeah. went with a friend of his mom, and she was so terrified. She like she kept like scratching my arm every time something would like pop out. And it was like, no, Mark, next time I'm not sitting next to your mom. You know? 
Did she just try to horrify you or something? Just scratching uh, you? I, she was just frightened, so it was uh-huh. just a reaction was to claw me to death. Speaking of Friday the 13th, part three, uh, next week we're going to have a, a guest from that movie. Yep, well, should be a pretty interesting experience. Larry Zerner, he's coming on to the program. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, Shelly. Yeah. Right. Intra knows. I know. Intra set this one up. Yep, that was all me, baby. Oh, good man. And he's famous. Uh, well, we'll get into it next week. But he's famous for a reason in uh, in Friday the 13th uh, lore. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's hmm. the guy that they should not have brought along because nobody wanted him No, because he's, he's, he's the supplier of, of the mask. Well, we said that well, in the interview, dude. Oh, yeah. I thought we talked about that off air. Well, we did, but I thought it was going to be a cliffhanger. I didn't oh, think you'd okay. tell anyone oh, until next well, week. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> tune in next week and you'll find out. <laughs> Everybody tune in. <laughs> it's the big secret. <laughs> and, of course, you know, probably we, the greatest uh, slasher uh, leprechaun. We need, like, a Vincent Price to do, like, our outro here, you know. Like, <laughs> no, everybody, tune in. <laughs> <laughs> The big secret. <laughs> yeah, we, we need somebody to do. Who who does a good Vincent Price impression? You do a pretty good uh, Bella. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was um what, what no that was um oh was it Carlos Frenchy Lagosi that was uh <laughs> the, the Canadian wrestler slash uh, Hungarian actor. I do a good uh, Michael Myers impression. You hear it? I'm not even selling that joke. <laughs> All right, everybody. I guess uh, that does it. Flea, you're about to say something. Well, I was gonna say I could do like uh, like the Frankenstein monster thing for you. <laughs> okay. You're from like the that. second one. Yeah, from the speed. Right. Without your head, good. One of those. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. I think it look, made us look dorky enough. Yeah, I All think right. so. Don't forget, everybody, uh, yeah, send us an email without your head at hotmail.com with uh, some um, suggestions for topics. We, on, we, uh, we want you guys to enlighten us. We want you to tell us, you know, we want you to educate us. So right. we need you guys to send in your request of what we should do on this show. Right. We want everybody to be part of the show. Unless you want mindless babble like this. <laughs> I'm sure probably, this probably the majority of the audience it does. Okay. Right, don't send any out. questions. Let's let's just hear them make fools of themselves again. Alrighty. Before we end, can I do one shout out? Sure. Yes, sir. All right. I just I just want to want to thank Mr. Barbie Richards for giving me a little bit of moral support for coming on tonight because I was a little nervous. Oh, man. No, oh, him, Barb, him man. and Incher. I mean, not him and Incher. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't him do Dick, shit, actually, dude. <laughs> well, you made me feel good once I got here. <laughs> you always do. Whoa, whoa. What was going hey, on? Hey. I was making the coffee. <laughs> what? He always makes me feel comfortable. <laughs> Jack uh, always makes me nervous. <laughs> He's all business, that Jack. No. All business. But, but thank you, Barbie. You are the trickster. All right, I think that does it. 